0: Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined, as always, by my friend and the founder and CEO of Startups.com, Will Schroeder. Will, there's a lot of talk, maybe whispers, about quiet quitting in the media right now. It's become quite quite a hot topic, but let's be honest about this. When
1: did this actually start happening? Everyone wants to think it started with remote work, and you know I get it. I would argue, and you tell me, I think it started the moment we gave people an internet connection at the office. Like as soon as they, did, they could watch YouTube instead of work, watch Facebook, whatever, it was game over as far as the office is all about productivity. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, I'd agree. It was a distraction that had no boundaries. Absolutely there's no limit to it I tried I, I looked for it I could not find the end of the internet and that was in 1996 <laughs> when it was a significantly smaller place so yeah I, I totally agree this is not this is not a new problem and look we can point to all kinds of stuff we can point to remote work we can point to the pandemic we can point to you know the, you know wanting to become more intentional and purposeful with the work they're doing which means they have to jettison their corporate job or well partially jettison it but keep the salary we could point to all of the layoffs and say that people are doing this is a security piece. They're like, well, look, you know, people are being fired out of cannons at, at Twitter right now instead of giving notice. So, uh, yeah, it's cool to quiet quit. If we're going to be treated this way as employees, what respect do we owe to the company who's been paying us they owe up until now? I would argue there's still a contract there, and layoffs and firings are part of that contract. So, I'm not buying into that entirely. But there's a whole bunch of shit that goes into this. But to your point, this is nothing new, right? This started before you or I could grow beards.
1: Yep. Uh, I still can't grow a beard. So for folks that haven't heard of the term or aren't exactly familiar what it is, and it's relatively new when we're recording this, quiet quitting is the idea that I'm still working at my job. I'm still getting paid. That part hasn't changed. Well, I should say, I'm still getting paid. I'm not working at my job anymore. So again, this became more of a thing with remote work. Because people were saying, well, who's actually working? And some people didn't take them long to realize, I could sort of just not work and keep getting paid. So much so that it started a whole other part where people started taking other jobs and start working other jobs entirely
0: which is insane to me, but well, could you hang on a second? I gotta, I gotta take this call. Yeah.
1: Um. <laughs> and so needless to say, as founders, you know, and people leading these companies, we're terrified of this idea, this idea that, you know, that we're paying people or counting on people. And in the background, they, they have quiet quit altogether. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about kind of what it is, but also how to stomp it out, right? Like w- when you find it kind of, what does it look like in your organization? What are the motivations behind it? And how possible is it to do? Because what I would say is this, everybody that's gone remote work has had an opportunity to kind of reset and change kind of how they operate. There are a certain number of people, particularly in big companies, but you know, also in startups that say, you know, if you take out my commute, if you take out lunch, if you take out senseless meetings, if you take out et cetera, and all I have to do is that little thing that's actually my job, like <laughs> two hours a day. Right, it's actually not
0: full time. I was spending most of my time getting to and from work in the water cooler. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so all of a sudden, their mind goes to the next place, which is, well, you know, I've now got like eight hours in the middle of the day to free up. If I only have to be on a couple of Zoom calls or something, or, you know, check in or on Slack or something, I could kind of take another job too. Now, there's a little bit of irony there in that the people that are willing to quit are also ambitious enough to go take another job at the same time. But I got to say, you know, I won't get specific, but we had it happen with us. You know, we had it happen to a person making over $200,000 with us that quiet quit. They basically took another job, even though they're getting paid a ton of money and admitted it. This wasn't just something that, you know, we made up. We're starting to understand why the work was falling behind. And they're like, you know, to be honest, I've been juggling two jobs. Yeah, well, that's something you kind of need to let us know. I want to mention something
0: here, which is that to me, this is an extension. This is an exacerbation. This is an exponential increase in something that's always been a founder problem. It's always been an employer problem. Anybody who's ever had to lead people has had this challenge, and that's one of efficacy and efficiency right? So this isn't a new thing. This is a new manifestation and, and a very extreme example of it. Right. But like, I go back to when, when I decided to take a break from technology and I launched my cafe because I just needed a break from tech. And I was like, I just want something simple. I had the same problems, right? I had this mantra. If there's time to lean, there's time to clean because I had fears about efficiency. I'm paying people by the hour. I don't want people standing around doing nothing, right? That wasn't quiet quitting. But it sure shit wasn't working, which is what you're being paid to do here, right? Now in that case, it was pretty obvious. But I think this is it. This is an age old. This goes, but this this well precedes employment. I mean, let's say you're marshaling an army somewhere, right? Same kind of thing. Like want to make sure everybody's focused. Everybody's marching in the same direction. Everybody sharpened their sword the night before the battle. So this is nothing new, right? But this is a very interesting and weird twist on this. And particularly when you take it to the full extreme where you've got people who are literally doing a new job while not doing the other one, right? Like I'm all about fractional work. I think that's totally possible. If you have time and you have the gumption, you want to do the side hustle, we preach this, right? You want to do that? Cool. But you got to do the first thing first before you start to do the second
1: thing. That's not okay. So there's a spectrum. Let's lay this out. The spectrum goes from I'm just not super productive slash I'm distracted to I'm straight up not doing my job. I actually just stopped doing my job at some point. I left and you're just going to keep paying me until you catch on. At one of the major credit bureaus, I just uh, read about this. They actually used people's own credit reports to detect how many people in their organization had quit and taken, and it was dozens of people. <laughs> oh my
0: God, you're like- It
1: was dozens of people. You,
0: uh, you're reporting
1: double the income that
0: we pay you,
1: somehow, on that last credit request. Oh my God, that's By hysterical. the way, I didn't know you could do that, but it shows how rampant, right? And so I'll give you examples on both ends. We already talked about the the far end of the spectrum where, where we had a person on staff and no ill will, by the way. I mean, it is what it is. But we had a person on staff that, you know, literally took another job and was working two jobs. The other was in the early, early days of like bringing the internet to work. I know that sounds so oldie timey at this point, right? But I'm talking like, I mean, that was decades ago, but like I would say 10 years ago. And what I meant by bringing the internet to work, I meant you were generationally coming into work for the first time and you were always used to having the internet throughout your day? Yeah, you were bringing a version of the internet that had nothing to do with work to work. I think that was
0: the major transformation for me was I was used to internet being at work. F- I've been for the last 25 years. But 10 years ago, all of a sudden, like Facebook showed up at work. Unless you're building ads or segmenting audiences <laughs> yeah, or right, right. participating in groups, like that's not necessarily something that I see as a necessary
1: second monitor edition, right? Like it was also a sign of the times, not just from the workforce that was coming in, but for us generationally who understood how to separate the two. We had two separate cases. This was about ten years ago when we were first starting the company. We had some folks that worked for us. You know, they were relatively new. It's like their first or second job, and maybe a year or two out of college. In one case, a person is, they've got two monitors. On one monitor is Facebook, their feed. And on the other monitor is the work that they do. And I remember asking, I was like, hey, uh, Facebook, kind of there all the time. And they're like, yeah, why wouldn't Facebook be there all the time? That was the thing. You're literally not doing your job every time you turn your head over. And, and again, I just want to be clear, like this was just a moment in time. I would feel differently about it now, but I just want to point out, right? And I'm pointing it out to say, in office, they weren't focused on work the whole time, right? I mean, they could turn their eyes left or right and they were either focused on work or focused on something that was not work. Another case, and both these people were referencing, if they ever listened to the podcast, we love you. So- <laughs> We do. We so do. Yeah, 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 you'll appreciate that. But this. thanks for the story. Yeah, thanks for the story. Thanks for the story. The other was, comes to work and uh, one day we look over and they're sitting there watching Netflix. And I don't mean like watching it like in a little box. I mean, full screen watching Netflix. And we're like, dude, what are you doing? What's happening? Yeah. yeah. And they're like- watching a movie. Oh, yeah.
0: and, like, I, I, I actually had an extended conversation on a walk about this, about how it helps to improve my focus. And I need that as a distraction from the other distractions. And I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to hear you. I'm trying to believe this. And I'm just like, no, I'm like, I remember at the time, and I think we had this conversation again, this goes back a long time, This is 10 years ago. But I remember distinctly for the first time ever feeling like I had tripped and fallen headfirst into a generational gap. And I was just like, (laughs) this makes no fucking sense to me whatsoever. It it was so far away from us. Fundamental, yeah, but it seems to make total sense to you. So there's obviously a disconnect here. And so we had to explain things like it's not okay, at least per our company policy, right? Like this is not – we can't just have – Netflix and Facebook open half the day to where, you know, at any moment at your discretion, you decide whether you're working or not. Like we came here for a purpose. This building, when we used to do that, when we used to rent buildings and and sit in them to work together, that was why we were there, right? Netflix is for the building that you rent or own (laughs) at home where you park your car and go to sleep at night. This is something different. And that we had to explain that seemed so ludicrous to me. And yet, and they took it well, right? They're like, oh, okay
1: we can't do that. I got it. But that was the beginning of the end is my point. That was the beginning of the end of where, where work in the workplace was considered, you know, critical or, or sacred or what have you. And, and we were on the wrong, you know, we were the dinosaurs in that (laughs) equation to be clear. (laughs) Yep. Now fast forward, you know, a decade later and we're entering into remote work where there's, there's no supervision whatsoever. We're now in a new reality for some people, it's the only reality they've ever had, which is we have no idea what people are doing at their computer all day long, right? And so it invites this concern about well, what if they're not working at all? Again, in taking a step further, you know, what if they've actually quit? What if I get an hour a day out of them, Max? Right, right, right. So let's talk a little bit about what we can do to actually start to get a sense for whether people are, are actually checked in or checked out. Because as a startup where every single person matters, the idea of having someone checked out is critical to our business. These are smaller teams. Somebody's checked out at Disney, sort of, who cares? It's not going (laughs) to change anything, right? They're checked out with us. Our products won't get shipped. Our sales won't get made. I mean, it's, it's a huge problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, on a percentage basis, right? If you get a team of 10 and two people are checked out, 20% of your workforce isn't there. That's a big big deal to absorb, right? Yeah, And, and it's interesting because you would think that at a smaller company like a startup, that this would be a near impossibility. Well, maybe you wouldn't think that. I thought this, I thought this. I thought, you know, this is not something that is really going to be a pressing problem for a lot of startup companies, and yet it turns out it was, and, and maybe for some pretty specific reasons. So I, I've got a few recent examples of founders I talked to. As this topic started to pop up, I just started to, you know, kind of randomly throw it into conversation. Like, so look, is quiet quitting something that you're worried about? Is something you're facing? They're like, oh my God, like you can't imagine what's going on right now. Like we've got a team of 15 and three quarters of them are moonlighting, but during daylight hours, right? And and it's a major distraction. And like, Part of that is that, you know, we're a startup company, we're paying maybe below market wages, our benefits aren't the best. There's lots of like these justifications. And yet, this isn't what you said you would do the day you signed up for the job. But the founders are having a hard time fighting this off. And to your point, this is really, really tough, right? If one employee in a massive company, right? You're like, you know, Jasmine, you didn't really give it your all today during the Aladdin parade at, at Disney. Not a huge deal, right? You know, we can work hard tomorrow. If of your workforce, 50% of your workforce at a startup company, who, by the way, is still trying to figure all the shit out, and nothing's working right, and it makes it even harder when nobody's working on anything, this is a disaster of epic
1: proportions at a really small scale. You know, something that's really funny about everything we talk about here is that none of it is new. Everything you're dealing with right now has been done a thousand times before you, which means the answer already exists. You may just not know it, but that's okay. That's kind of what we're here to do. We talk about this stuff on the show, but we actually solve these problems all day long at groups.startups.com. So if any of this sounds familiar, stop guessing about what to do. Let us just give you the answers to the test and be done with it. Yeah, so in my eyes, I use the same management technique now that I've always used, and it's kind of this simple. It's simple, but it's so effective. Waterboarding. Waterboarding, yes. (laughs) The technique is this simple. Good players, people contributing, never shut up about it, okay? And I don't mean that to be in a negative way. They're never quiet, right? Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes people don't put their heads down and get some work done. But for a prolonged period of time, people that are really good at what they do or they're contributing hard, don't forget to mention it, right? Whether things are working
0: or aren't, right? Because even if things aren't going well, right, it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to be You're only sharing success. But if you're sharing nothing, it's a pretty good indication that that's an accurate reflection of what's actually happening in your day, right? Why are you sharing nothing? Nothing's happening.
1: It's always an indication, right? Where there's smoke, there's fire. We talked about this, actually dedicated a whole episode to this.
0: (laughs) Where there's no smoke,
1: (laughs) there's nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things I mentioned was years ago, I worked with this uh, huge car dealership franchise uh, network. And I asked them how they managed all their franchises. This is back like in the 2000s. And they said, we walk around. I was like, okay, okay, that's very vague. What do you mean? He said, we go to each dealership and we walk around. We put our finger on the car and we rub it to see if there's dust or you know a dirt on the car, on the car lot. We look around to see who's standing at each of the different positions the salespeople are supposed to be at versus taking smoke breaks or whatever it is that they do. And that's how we know when things are going right. I'm like, so, so you know, KPIs, you don't have like, you know, manager reports. Like, well, we have those, but those only tell you so much. It's the details, right? That tell you a lot. This morning, I'm working out with a buddy of mine, another founder, and he had to let someone go. And we were talking through it. And he said the same thing. He's like, you know what? In the last couple of calls, he gets on the call and he's not prepared. I try to message him like a little bit after hours. He's got his notifications turned off. Not the end of the world, but these all start to become these compounding things. One or two, you might be able to overlook. But when it's three or four, good people don't have three or four problems. It starts to form a pretty strong pattern, right? (laughs) exactly exactly as we were working out i was telling him i was like you know what i know this in sales we have all of our sales channels right and i love our sales people so this is no knock against them actually has nothing to do with them specifically when things are going well when people are selling like crazy sales channels are going nuts right it's a busy channel yeah it's a high five fest, right It's, it's never there's
0: never 15 slack messages that say i didn't sell anything me neither and i probably won't tomorrow and i
1: didn't yesterday either right it never happened right but when it's tumbleweeds in the Slack channel, I don't even have to look at our numbers. I know exactly we know what's what going the on. numbers are, yeah. right? Like I said, good players and you know some of this performance, some of this timing, good players are always performing and you can always tell they're shipping code, right? They're bringing in visitors, they're closing sales, they're completing projects. Like You don't have to wonder, when this stuff stops happening... They're not working. Exactly.
0: This goes back to performance measurement. I mean, that and that's what the guy with the car dealership was talking about, right? Which was that those were KPIs, right? Dust on a car may not seem like a KPI in the modern sense, right? If we're thinking about a SaaS company, but it sure as shit is, right? A dusty car is a failed KPI, right? People not at their posts is a failed KPI. This is why I only buy cars from those places that have the towers in the middle where there's a foreman who's watching over everyone Prison work camp style. Who's ready to drop anybody that tries to run off the
1: lot? That that's yeah. actually straight up terrifying. So I think that from my standpoint, I think you you've got two ends of the spectrum, Ryan. I think you've got one end of the spectrum, which is just the little things that you see, right? You know, for those of you that that use Slack, it's nine thirty or whatever time you start. We start at nine, right? And in their little Slack thing, isn't green? It's the end of the world, right? Sometimes happens. Maybe you're running off to the doctor or something. But when it happens time after time after time again, specifically when it's like every
0: time I go looking for you, it's like that, which means I'm not looking at it all the time, right? This is something that happens sometimes. So if out of the eight random samples, six times I couldn't find you, that's probably a problem.
1: But those are little things. Those aren't KPIs, right? That's just if there's smoke, if there's something a little bit off, when people are on their game, you don't notice those things when people are engaged, when they're focused, right? You don't notice those things when you're in, like, let's say, a Zoom meeting and everybody's in the meeting. People that love what they do probably want to contribute. They probably want to talk about it. They're probably making a joke or engaging in conversation. People that are checked the hell out, they don't do any of that.
0: I love the ones where it's like they actually turn off the camera.
1: Yeah. Oh, God. when you go to a turn off camera bill and, and sometimes there's good reasons to do it. It's usually indicative.
0: Yeah. When you turn off camera and come back on camera with a bowl
1: of cereal, I'm less pleased about it, right? (laughs) We've had that so many times. So the way I look at it is, again, it's simple. I look at it and say, okay, there is a pattern of behavior for for engagement. There's just a pattern of behavior. And for founders that are listening to this going, you know, now that you mention it, like some of this stuff is starting to kind of add up when somebody's consistently late for meetings or you know no showing when they're consistently taking like a disproportionate amount of time off and I'm all for people taking time off but when people are looking to kind of check out and go do something else they start taking a lot of time off why wouldn't you right because th- there's no consequence right you start noticing these patterns of behavior that usually indicate that something isn't going right conversely if they're like dude I can't find any more hours in the day. Like I'm like, I'm so buried right now. That's usually not part and parcel with quiet quitting.
0: (laughs) No, no. Unless it's because my other job, my other two jobs are taking up so much of my time. I literally have no time left for this.
1: Yeah. But again, that's the extreme case and I hope it represents the minority. I hope. Two ends of the spectrum. One end of the spectrum we're going to talk about here is just what we said. It's just those little indicators, right? It's the dust on the car that tells you somebody's not, not washing these things like they're supposed to, right? Now, the other end of it is actually just straight up KPIs, which we haven't talked about you know, deliberately. But when we talk to a lot of founders, just a lot of organizations, they have what I'm going to call macro KPIs. Here's what the business overall needs to be doing. Here's our site conversion rate. You know, here's our sales conversion rate, et cetera. Maybe here's some of our shipping timelines, et cetera. What they tend to not be as good at are micro KPIs, OKRs, you know, whatever whatever system you're following, where they say, what does this person have to get done by Friday? Every Friday, right? Ryan, you you know, I've talked about this endlessly. We track everything as to what do we need to get done by Friday. Why? Because it's a timeline you can't fake. It's yeah, there's very little. It's not like. A 20 percent overrun,
0: even if there's a 20 percent overrun on that project, that's a day, right? That's tolerable. We can fix that. We can work around that, right? But when you're, when you're looking at time frames of three, four months, five months, 20 percent of that, it's a lot. right?
1: I would argue that this isn't even about quiet quitting. This is just about good management. However, what I would say is and actually, this is a great example. you know we write articles behind a lot of this stuff, and when I was writing this article about, you know, should I worry about quiet quitting, what I was trying to do is I was trying to poke holes in our own organization at startups.com to say, here's here are areas that you know we would improve if we could. What was interesting, every single person at our company has a responsibility either to a, a client directly, which in our case would be a founder, uh, somebody that they need to talk to on a regular basis, a specific deadline within five days or some sort of a dollar metric amount of money they've sold, etc. It's really hard. It has been. And the more I thought about it, again, as I kind of analyzed our own business, it's really hard to skate for very long here, partially because we know what to look for, but partially because even if you're working two hours a day, if you're hitting your your metrics, you're good, right? Now,
0: yeah. this is a slippery slope, right? It's a slippery slope there for sure.
1: And so, you know, you could look at that and you could say, well, yeah, But if if you ask um, somebody, let's say on the dev team, um, and our dev team is great, but ask somebody on our dev team, how long will it take to do something? If they only use essentially a two to three hour estimate, if they say it's going to take me eight hours and only takes them two hours and you're using those estimates, then how are you going to know? And truth be told, you may not, right? There's a a little bit of slop there. But that said, you don't need to be that detailed. You need to be more like, if they said this was going to take a month and really it should be taking a week, we got some issues, right? And so- most of the stuff we can put some sort of quantifier to. And for the stuff that we can't, we just got to look for the smoke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: You got to look for the smoke. And I think that it's rare anymore that I find things that are, that you really can't quantify in some way, shape or form, right? That, yeah. At a startup, because there's so many things because we're in so many binary situations, right? Where it's like, it either exists or it doesn't, right? So if it doesn't exist, now it exists. We have it. It was a process we didn't have. Now we have it right? So many of them are, are these nascent efforts that are just really easy to track, right? They, they come into existence. You know, as we, as we move further along, it gets a little bit harder. But kind of to your point, in our organization, at least, most of what we do is accountable to someone and highly measurable. Right. And, and we've used examples like sales is the easiest one because it's so measurable. It's purely measurable. Right. Like it's a, literally just a figure. Other things like dev become a little bit harder. But again, it's the feature exists or it doesn't. Right. And then you have things that, that go along with that, that where you start to pair up metrics, which is, OK, how long did we say it was going to take? How long did it actually take? Yes, it exists now, but it took twice as long. Why? Right? So that we can adjust for that next time and so forth. And so having these these management frameworks like KPI, like OKR, are super, super important because I think it allows you to get that level of detail further down. Like you said, most companies have these big, big North Star metrics that they're pointed towards. But the reason that we hit those is by hitting shit tons of tiny little KPIs or OKRs right? Or the reason we don't hit them is because we're not, right? And one of the main reasons for that is people being checked out, not engaged, or just not clear on what they're supposed to do. Either way, it's a management problem and it's an efficiency problem. Back to my early point, this has always existed. This is just another reason and an avenue for it to manifest But the same problems always existed. We have to be good at helping our people do what needs to be done and measure it and understand and track it, right? It's not
1: easy, but it's simple. And I would argue that, to your point, this is nothing new, but in an age where we actually don't have quite the visibility we used to, and I think it gave us a little bit of confidence that, well, everybody's in the building, right? And to be fair, it was helpful back in the day Because knowing that everybody's in the building, they probably weren't watching Netflix and doing their laundry, (laughs) or at least in the building. There's there's some level of commitment. One or two cases, but yes. Right, and so I think based on where we're at now, yes, are we worried that people are quiet quitting? Yes, and by the way, we should be. I think this is an incredible call to action on the behalf of all leadership to take a moment and to say, you know what? I'm not okay with running my organization loose. I've got to make sure that every single person in the organization, to your point, knows what they need to do and they need to know exactly what their metrics are week over week so they can deliver. If they're quiet, they're not hitting their metrics, I can jump on it. But if I don't have those metrics in place, then I was screwed from the start. So in addition to all the stuff related to founder groups, you've also got full access to everything on startups.com. That includes all of our education tracks, which will be funding, customer acquisition, even how to manage your monthly finances. There's so much stuff in there. All of our software, including BizPlan for putting together detailed business plans and financials, LaunchRock for attracting early customers, and of course, Fundable for attracting investment capital. When you log into the startups.com site, you'll find all of these resources available.